You know it's showtime when this beat kicks in This is the TSR pop where all we do is win It's just football fiends on a mission Delivering opinions of my significance Man, I hope you've been listening Cause scouting is the business You're welcome cause it's a privilege Most people in this position just don't give it away, no so all that's left to say now is welcome to the show Cause you know Jacob and Ball were ready, so let's go It's time to talk Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the TSR podcast, and this is going to be a good one. I've been waiting for this episode for quite a while because this team is one of the more talked about organizations in the league right now for obvious reasons. For this episode, we have a special guest and massive Bucks fan that has come on to talk ball. That guest is none other than the CEO and founder of Blitzalytics, Jack Bourgeois. Jack, how are you doing, brother? I'm doing good, man. Coffee's flowing this morning. How are you? Yeah, I need some coffee, man. Bo, how you doing? I'm not quite as tired as you guys. I got my eight hours last night. I feel I feel good. I'm, I'm amped up for this one. Yeah, man, I, I'm extremely tired right now. Um, but I'm excited about the podcast. I, I think this is going to be a really, really good podcast. And the first thing I want to talk about, Jack, I want you to explain to us what it was like watching the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year. Obviously, you guys went 7-9. Uh, and nine. You finished third in the NFC South. Um, Jameis Winston became the first quarterback to throw 30 touchdown passes and 30 interceptions in the season, so that wasn't that great. Uh, We watched wide receiver Chris Godwin have a breakout season and form a dangerous duo with Mike Evans, and we watched Shaquille Barrett have a breakout season as well by leading the league with 19 and a half sacks. So, so Jack, what was it like watching your team last year, man, and experiencing all that? Um, let's, let's not forget that it was 42 total turnovers by Jameis Winston, not just 30 interceptions. <laughs> yeah. I always like to, always like to throw that one out there. Um, 12, it, it was rough. It, it was very rough because you've seen how much talent the team had, especially towards the latter part of the season with Todd Bowles finally getting his defense rolling. Jamal Dean, who was a rookie last year, kind of coming into his own and went from, somebody who was giving up a bunch of yards to somebody who finally kind of caught his stride towards the, the latter part of the season and had a lower catch rate than Stefan Gilmore himself. Um, so it, it was very, very impressive to see what this team and the amount of talent uh, this coaching staff has and what they were able to do with it. But then, at the end of the day, when you turn the ball over that darn much, there's no way you're going to be able to win games. I mean, it's one of the only stat lines that ever translates. It's, it's you know, yards per attempt and turnovers are the only stats that you can actually somewhat paint a picture and, and determine who won a game. So yeah. you turn the ball over that many times, you're, it's just not going to happen. What was interesting, though, to me at least, was the fact that, you know, y'all still went 7-9, and nine, which isn't a horrible record, even with all those turnovers. So it shows the team has a ton of talent. Talent's obviously not the issue. Um, I don't know what was going on with Jameis Winston last year. You know, everybody wanted him to take the next step. They've wanted him to for a year or two now. He just hasn't done so. Obviously, he's with the Saints right now, so... It's interesting to see. I can't wait to see what Tom Brady is able to do in that system and on that team. But what did you think about the Buccaneers last year, man? I mean, I think there's a lot to build on. Like you said, the turnovers just killed them. I mean, seven wins, um, I mean, like you said, isn't the worst way it could have turned out. It it was unfortunate. They I, I was, you know, doing some research in the past few days and realized they're, they're the only other team in the 2010s not to make a playoff appearance. The only other one is Cleveland. And I don't think they're going to have a problem changing that up this year. I think Tom Brady's going to, you know, get them to the playoffs at least next year. But you, you could just tell – that. It, 
you know, there's going to be way less turnovers coming up. And, and that was really what, what held them back. I mean, if you take away a small fraction of those turnovers, and I mean, they could have an above 500 record last year. So, yeah, I'll and 100% it, agree. And it, it was an improvement on, was it, they went 5 and 11 in 2018. So, yeah. I mean, they did improve, but, you know, like you, like you said, it's just too many turnovers to, you know, to do any better than 7 and 9. Yeah, it definitely was way too many turnovers. Well, let's talk about the key free agency guys that were added and have left the team. The biggest add is none other than Tom Brady. He was pretty much the talk of the offseason uh, when we were trying to figure out what uniform he was going to be wearing in 2020, and he obviously chose Tampa Bay. I'm obviously going to say this is an upgraded quarterback just from a consistency standpoint. I don't know from an arm standpoint or, or physical ability. I don't think it's an upgrade. But just from a consistency standpoint, he's going to give you better, consistent, more consistent play at a, at a higher level than Jameis Winston did. And I'm going to tell you this, too. I think if I'm a Buccaneers fan, I'm excited to get the best quarterback of all time on my team, even if he is 57. No, I'm just kidding. I know he's, what, what is he, 43 now? Yeah. Is he 43, bro? I think it's 43, yeah. And he's also going to have the best weapons, in my opinion, that he's ever had before. You know, he's got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. The tight ends are ridiculously deep. you got Cameron Brait, Rob Gronkowski, and O.J. Howard. Drafted so I, Tyler Johnson, too. Drafted Tyler Johnson. And I was doing a lot of reading on him last night. Tyler Johnson is, is got so overlooked during the pre-draft process. So I can't wait to talk about him later. Obviously, you also bring in Rob Gronkowski, who has been Tom Brady's favorite uh, target over the year. And what better way to make Tom Brady feel right at home um, during this whole transition? And I don't think you go, you know you're going to see a huge drop off in play from Gronk because you know obviously he took a year off, but I still think he's going to come out and pretty much be the same guy. And I think their chemistry is going to pick up right where it left off. My biggest question is whether he can stay healthy or not. That's my biggest question. Jack, how do you feel about adding those two guys to your team? Uh, I mean. As much I was a Tom Brady hater, the the day before he signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, obviously I, you you couldn't be more excited to have the goat on your team, especially when you're going from, you know, no offense, Jameis, but going from Jameis Winston to Tom Brady is is the biggest <laughs> upgrade in sports history. To be honest, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Like you you guys don't understand how how much hair I pulled out, how crazy I would go, you know, every Sunday watching, watching Jameis make dumb play after dumb play and, and just bad decision after bad decision. So Tom Brady is going to be, like I said, probably the biggest upgrade in, in sports history at a positional level. Um, what, what he does, you know, the whole Gronk thing, I I'm kind of iffy on because I think it was a luxury. It wasn't a necessity. And that 10 mil, could have been spent elsewhere, a la a Trent Williams. Um, mm -hmm. For the price the 49ers paid for him, they could have you know, given up a third-round pick next year or something a little bit more than what the Niners gave up, and they would have had a solid offensive line. Right now, there's talks that Donovan Smith may or may not play. Uh, that, that, scare, that scares me. Uh, so it would have been nice to see Tom Brady have more protection especially because they could have either, you know, move warps to the left or the right, depending on if Donovan Smith was going to play or not. They could have had Trent Williams or they could have moved, uh, they could have moved warps to the inside where it's where a majority of us at Blitzalytics actually think he probably would do his best. Not mm -hmm. that he can't be a great tackle. He's got all the intangibles, but no, we'll get into the, to the, the draft class here in a second. But there, I think, it was good, but it, it kind of worries me about the offensive line. I don't know how good they're going to be. They do not have a whole lot of depth. 
Joe Haig is the only other signing that they got. And, I mean, he's a journeyman at best. He's not somebody who, you know, you're going to feel comfortable with at a starting role. So I'm a little nervous. I wish they would have done a little bit more. Yeah, so, you know, that's a good way to put it, Jack, that it's a luxury more than a need. I don't know if they brought him in, you know, again, just solely for chemistry reasons, just because that, that's been Brady's favorite target over the years. Or maybe is it because O.J. Howard hasn't taken the step everyone's expected of him? I, I really don't know. But like you said, or like I just said, it's ridiculous how much talent's in that tight end room right now. And, you know, those guys, all those guys are going to get looks um, and have passes thrown to him. Again, it's Cameron Brate, O.J. Howard, and Rob Gronkowski. And like you just said, too, your other um, – only other signing, Joe Haig. He has started 34 games since he was drafted in 2016, and he's he. I think he played every game last year in a backup role. But he's not going to be a starter. He's going to be more of a depth guy. So, so I like the ads. Again, I was kind of surprised to see Grant come out of retirement, um, and and you know join the Buccaneers. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. But what's your expectations? for Tom Brady and, and Gronk on the, the Buccaneers this season? For Tom Brady and Gronk, I mean, I think you're going to see a lot of touchdowns. I wouldn't expect a, a ton of yardage between the 20s exactly. I mean, they're going to have plenty of other options to get that done. But, um, I mean, I just see a lot of touchdowns coming from it. I, I don't think you see – a huge, a, an insane amount of snaps from him. I mean, I bet you he, I bet you he's, I don't see him blocking many people. You know, I don't see him getting, trying, I don't see them putting him in the trenches a year out of the game. Um, I mean, you never know how that's going to go on his body. I mean, I, and he lost all that weight. You know, I'd like to see how much of it he put back on, you know, so, and I, you know, even if he didn't put all the way back on, that'll just make him an even better receiving option as long as they use him that way. Um, but <clears throat> I think they're both too good to not have a special connection still. So, I mean, you're going to see a lot of production. It's just in what ways? Is it going to be just, you know, mainly in the red zone? Are they still going to let him, you know, bring him in to gain the yardage to get down into the red zone? I mean, I can't wait to see how they do it, especially because you said they got three completely capable tight ends in the room, you know. So, and Tom Brady's going to make them all better. That's for sure. Yeah, he definitely is. He definitely is. And I think, you know, like I said, Bo, you're talking about the chemistry. Again, I just don't see the chemistry falling off. Those guys played together for so long and were so yeah. successful together. I don't yeah. see chemistry being an issue, whether Gronk yeah. took a year off or not. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can pick up right right where they left off or, and, uh, or have a little issues right in the beginning. But let's talk about some of the losses, Jack. You lost your favorite guy, man, and I'm sorry about it. You lost quarterback Jameis Winston. Now, let me tell you all this. <laughs> Since 1976, the Bucks have drafted 25 quarterbacks, and they've never signed any of them to a second contract. That is a fact. A, wow. a, I did not actually know that until I saw it last night. I cannot believe that's a real stat. Um, now, some believe the Bucks should have given Winston more time. I'm personally not one of those people. I think it was time to move on. I think you, you've put enough into this guy. He's just not done what you've needed him to do. And to be honest with you, and is he, you know, the more he's matured, he just had his worst season there. So I, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't understand what the problem is with the turnovers for Jameis Winston. Um, I don't know. It was it because he needed eye surgery? Maybe some people were making that joke. I don't know if that's really what it was, but it's definitely something. It just wasn't working out in Tampa Bay, which I'm kind of upset about because I really like Jameis Winston coming out of college as a prospect. Um, also, Jack, y'all lost Peyton Barber. Barber signed a two-year deal with the Redskins which makes it the Ronald Jones show in Tampa Bay now, who I, I always also loved Ronald Jones coming out of USC. Um, 
Barber had somewhat of a breakout year in 2018 with almost 900 rushing yards and five touchdowns, but he could not build on that in 2019. Y'all lost Rashad Perriman. And if you look at, at least I think, when you look at Perriman's stats, it looked like he had a, you know, a pretty solid year. But I also noticed that I'm pretty sure most of those stats came in the last four weeks of the season last year. He just kind of popped off in the last four weeks, <clears throat> and it wasn't something that he did over time during the season. Obviously, he's going to be more in a more prominent role with Sam Darnold now with the Jets. And then last for me, out of one of the big losses, is uh, defensive end Carl Nassib. Nassib is joining the Raiders on a three-year deal. He totaled 12 and a half sacks over the last two seasons in Tampa. He was kind of a cap casualty. Is that what you would say, Jack? Is, is that why he's more leaving the team? Because, you, you know, money was just an issue at that point? 100%. There's too much talent right now. There's too much talent that they're going to have to sign in the future. It, it was a cap casualty, and it, it was definitely the biggest loss, I think. He was super underrated of, of a defensive end for us. Uh, you know, his ability to play, you know, 3-4 and the 4-3 scheme was super beneficial to, to the Buccaneers last year. You know, he could line up and, and rush the passer from, from the inside, from, you know, 3-5, 7 tech all the way out. Uh, I, I was super bummed to see that we could not sign him, and I think he is going to have a breakout season. The Raiders, he, he's slowly come into his own over the last few seasons, and so that was the biggest one. Peyton Barber, all that means basically is no power back. Uh, I've never been a fan of Ronald Jones, even with a Buccaneers uniform. Uh, you know, B.A. said it best, if you can't pass block, then you can't run the ball for me, and he cannot pass block to save his life. Uh, so that is always that has always concerned me. And then the one thing about, about, Pey- or, um, about Rojo is that Keyshawn Vaughn has a very similar running style. The only th- only difference is Keyshawn Vaughn is a hell of a pass catching back and a receiving back. He's going to actually have a, a role on third down, and Rojo can't can't catch the ball to save his life. He can't pass block to save his life. He's just not meant to, have, to even see any action on third down. But I really do wish that they would have they would have kind of went after maybe somebody that can run in between the tackles a little bit better. Um, they're similar. Their styles of of running are very similar. So I'm eager to see how that'll pan out. As for the Brashad Perriman. He played terrible at the beginning of the season. Like, he dropped probably three or four big plays, you know, game-changing plays, especially when I think nine of our losses or, or uh, eight of our losses. Was it eight? Eight of our losses came within le- within one score. So those were crucial. Uh, Scotty Miller is going to be the one to replace him. Nobody, Not many people know about him, but he is someone who ran – uh, 4-4, I think a uh, high 4-3 speed. And so he'll be able to replace it. And once uh, Perriman went down last year, or once Mike Evans went down and Godwin went down the last couple weeks and it was Perriman's show, uh, Scotty Miller actually did did finally see some action and, and look good doing it. I think he caught two or three touchdown passes in those last couple weeks. So I, I think that's going to be just fine, especially with the additions of Tyler Johnson. You know, there's too much, there's too much to go around. We don't necessarily need him. And we all know that Tom Brady likes to likes to get rid of the ball quick, so those deep, you know, uh, nine routes aren't aren't going to be featured as heavily this year. I think there's going to be a lot more underneath stuff, and so I think Scotty Miller will do a little bit better. He's not necessarily a slot wide receiver; he's a take the top off kind of guy. Um, but he, he's not a bad route runner. He may even be a better intermediate route runner than or intermediate to underneath than than Perriman is. So let me ask you this, Jack. For me, at least, the most intriguing thing to me about this team is the whole running back room 
Because running back is where you're actually missing, like, you know, on offense, when you look at all the positions, you're like, wow, they're kind of stacked at receiver. Wow, they're stacked at tight end. Wow, they have Tom Brady at quarterback. But the running back room is a little bit different. Are you a big believer in Rojo? No, not at all. Okay. I, I, I think he's. I think he was a terrible pick. Um, <laughs> he was outside of my top five in terms of running backs that year. Uh, I, I was very, very disappointed that they took Ronald Jones that year, and I'm still disappointed that they're relying so heavily on Ronald Jones. He's had flashes in a pan in terms of he's, he's made some good plays here and there, but I just don't think he's a solid back. He's not a dependable, reliable option. So I like Keyshawn Vaughn, but there was I, I wish they would have got somebody in between the tackles. There is still a few, you know, few running backs out there. Uh, I know people have talked about Devontae Freeman. We've got about $5 million in cap right now, depending on what Donovan Smith decides to do, if he's going to play or not. If uh, if we have that five million and we have a full offensive line, my idea is to go call uh, Marshawn Lynch. I heard he's still looking to play, and Seattle is likely not going to bring him back in. Think about Tom Brady, Marshawn Lynch, and Rob Gronkowski all on the same offense, all you know in the same locker room. Especially him and Gronk on the same sideline. How much fun that would be! Oh, that that would be a blast to watch. Cancel L.A. Hard Knocks right now. <laughs> yeah. Tampa Bay right now if that happens. I mean, um, we need an in-between-the-tackles runner. We need somebody who can gain one yard do, when asked do. upon. Like, that's what that's what our, our entire team is Sean missing. Vaughn could become that? He runs hard, man. I mean, he's no, like – He is uh, a hard like runner. Six, one, he's 6'1", 218, 220. Yeah. Like, he, he's, he looks lean, well, well leaner than he is. Yeah. He does. He has very good contact balance. I mean, he can run in between the tackles, but burst. I don't know. I don't know if he could if he can make that next. You know, I don't know if he can put it in like you know fifth gear and get going another speed. I think he's like you're just kind of a one speed guy, but he is a good runner. Yeah, yeah I, I like what he brings to the table. I think, but he's going to have more of that um, James White role than yeah. than anything else in this offense. Tom, Tom Brady makes those guys shine, though, so that'll be exciting. Yeah, Jack, I am, space. I am interested that, you know, you're saying Marshawn Lynch because, you know, like you said, I heard a lot about Devontae Freeman maybe ending up in Tampa. So you're saying you would rather have Lynch than Devontae Freeman? All day. Uh, just, for, <laughs> just for the entertainment factor alone. But Devontae Freeman is hasn't been that good for quite some time. I don't even think he's had a 1,000-yard season for, what, two or three years, three years? Yeah, he's been injured the yeah, last two years. I think he Injuries. only had that one big season that was the yeah. thousand yards. I don't think there's been anything since. Injuries yeah, have literally destroyed him. That was one of the worst investments ever by a franchise. Like he's got paid to not be able to, to even see the see the field. Yeah. Do y'all remember that contract? Do y'all remember how much he made in that contract? Guarantee like forty million or something like that. I I, I don't think it was. was. I have you know I have was it not around here somewhere because I was I, I was on a radio show talking about this a while back. Um, but I, I think they paid him over $20 million guaranteed to not do anything. I, they're still having to pay him this year. Well, concussions have been his major yeah. issue. He hasn't and, but, had a 1,000-yard season since 2016. Gosh. But he's had wait, wait, When did they pay him the money, though? When did they pay him the money? Let's see. Do you, do you know what year that was? I'm about, yeah, I'm about. it was. Let's see. Um... I think they started paying him in 2017. A, so yeah, it was a $40 million dollar deal. So they paid him after his last five year, $40 million. 
He was the league's highest paid running back at that time. That was wow. when the highest paid running back was only making eight million that year. I remember that. Yeah, he had a guarantee. He had a guarantee of eighteen uh, seven. There you go. Which was terrible a investment. Which a, that was terrible a terrible investment. We have they have, they didn't get any action from him in 2018 or 2019. The year after that, so, he shut down basically. Yeah, so give me Marshawn Lynch for the for <laughs> entertainment he, alone gets you by on that. Exactly, but then who would you trust more at the one yard line? You know, it's still oh, Marshawn, Marshawn Lynch. Lynch. Marshawn Lynch. You know, for the sure. only other the only other running back that I've thrown out there. For the simple fact that if we're going with this like Legends League type of idea, like we're just gonna bring all the stacked veterans, um, <laughs> would be Adrian Peterson. You know, he is on the outskirts looking in of that running back room in uh, the Washington football team. I almost called them the you know what. Um, Washington's got so many backs right now that he could end up getting cut, well, and if he gets cut, I'll take I'll take Adrian Peterson too. Is La- oh, I think I, Lamar, I Lamar Miller's a free agent. What about would you? What if they picked up someone like that if they could afford it? If he waits around long enough, eh, he's not. A, he's he's not the in between the tackles guy we yeah. need though. Yeah, I mean he's a good running back. Don't get me yeah. wrong, but seems like you just picking up another Rojo at that point. Yeah, yeah. Jack, if Adrian Peterson, list. <clears throat> if Adrian Peterson ended up on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tom Brady, that would be a dream come true for me. I would absolutely love. To I think see he's going to retire Peterson. a Redskin, though. You think he will? I, I, I don't, I don't know, see why man. they let him go. It's been a revolving door over there. He's still the best guy. That's what I'm saying. The, the dude's been the most consistent back in the room. Jack, so you really think that he's on the outside looking in for the Redskins? They have so many running backs. Well, they got like seven. I mean, they the pay, roster, they're right? paying. They're paying Peyton Barber. They have yeah, uh, what Bryce Love. Bryce and Love. Then they still Darius have guys. Darius guys. Like I think, yeah, I think he's on the outside looking in. That you know, sucks in, for in a terms guy of if done. they're trying to move forward, I mean, I get, I get it, and it is Ron Rivera, so maybe he does like his veterans, but I just don't think they're going to want to pay him what they are paying him right now, and he's what. Yeah, three three million, and they can get out of over two and a half of that. So, he, I think that he's on he's on his way out. I, I do, and and it's not because of lack of talent. He's still very talented. He's still a top forty back in this league. Yeah, Just I agree in between with that. the tackles, power running. That's all we need from him is to give us a few yards when we need it to. All right, Jack. So you get to choose here. You know, both of them are willing to come to the team. You got Marshawn Lynch or Adrian Peterson. Who are you taking? Uh, give me Lynch. Okay. You want Lynch? I'd, I'd go Peterson just because I'd love to see Adrian Peterson in Tom Brady's backfield. Bo, who would you take, man? Oh, man, I think I'd take AP. I would love to see AP. It's hard to – you put AP out there, it's like, oh. Well, that's, I mean, that's that's one of the greats right there. Like you said, just to, the aesthetics alone, I think, of having Brady and AP back there would be so cool. And AP see, still got it. He's still got a step. He's still pretty good. See, now y'all have got me thinking about this, and this is something I'm going to watch. I'm just going to watch and hope that he just somehow ends up on the team. This is something now I really want to happen. But, no, <laughs> Jack, talking about Marshawn Lynch, that'd be really cool, too. And you talking about Rob Gronkowski and Marshawn Lynch on the sideline, I mean, that's entertainment at its best. That would be so much fun to watch. And just to watch Marshawn Lynch on Tom Brady's team, that would just be a ton of fun to watch, too. So, so I really actually hope I get to see that as well. Um, Jack, I want to talk about y'all's draft class a little bit. And at the end, I'm going to ask you your draft class grade. Um, I'm going to go over the draft class the Buccaneers had in 2020. Obviously, you guys in round one took Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa. Round two, Antoine Winfield Jr. 
Round three, Keyshawn Vaughn, who we've already talked about quite a bit. Round five, Tyler Johnson. Round six, defensive tackle Khalil Davis out of Nebraska. Round seven, linebacker Chappelle Russell out of Temple. And again in round seven, running back Raymond Calais out of Louisiana Lafayette. Jack, what did you think of each of these picks? Um, I guess we can talk about the Tristan Wirfs pick first. What did you think about that pick? Were you happy with that pick? I know some people were questioning his ability to play tackle. What were your thoughts on that pick when y'all made it? I, I was a part of that group just kind of questioning him. If you watch, the, I, I, I got to do the scouting report on him, and teams took advantage of his inability to redirect. He gets really happy. He's great. I think he's undefeated in terms of protecting the corner. Like, he's great. His kick mm-hmm. slide is great. He just struggles to to redirect. He struggles to to be able to engage and, and hold hold the block. He's super athletic, but to me, he he plays stubby. It's not that he he has short short arms, but he plays stubby. He doesn't utilize his reach to his advantage. He's best in 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 terms of a guard, but I think that maybe you know it is Iowa, so it's hard to say that they don't have great offensive line coaching there. But if they can coach the technique out of him or into him, I should say, he could be a great, you know, offensive tackle. He could be an all-pro offensive tackle. But he definitely was my least favorite of the four. Uh, Andrew Thomas was by far my my favorite. He was the guy I was hoping would slide down. And if not for the whole COVID situation and the lack of training camp and everything, he might have been the guy to go to, to slide down. But he was the most pro-ready. So I completely understand why he went off the board first. And I liked I liked the upside of the the other three guys ahead of Warps, but at least we got one of the tackles. That was the biggest thing. We couldn't get way, Trent Williams as long as we got one of those guys. I was going to be happy. Talking to Andrew Thomas, but I just had to say throw my Georgia in there real quick. Um, but but Tristan Warps, he set the combine ablaze though. That, he was one of the big winners from the combine. You know he is a freak. He's six five, three hundred twenty pounds, and he moves really well. Like you were saying, Jack. His, four eight forty. <laughs> yeah, four eight forty. The the guy, you know, he has really good footwork. Um, and you know he does have the the ability to get into the second level well and maul some. Um, I thought it was a good pick, especially when you have a new you know slash older quarterback that needs protection coming in. Um, he also has experience playing both tackle spots, left and right, so that's a plus as well. Like you said, Jack, he wasn't one of the top two on my list for for tackles in that class. Um, obviously, Andrew Thomas and Jedrick Wills were my top two, but. I think I think Trist, it's going to be interesting to see how Tristan Wirfs does. And again, Bo, were you one of the same people that kind of had questions about him playing tackle, or, or did you did you believe in Wirfs? Yeah. yeah, I mean, not really as much playing tackle as he played all through college. I mean, you don't get Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year and you can at tackle and you can't well, play that's tackle. True, that's true. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he can play tackle. I mean, I just think the way he's such an athlete. You know what I mean? The way he moves. I mean. Getting him out in space as a run blocker, as you know, a guard pulling around the corner would be something special to watch. I mean, I think he's got the build and and the aggressiveness for it with his uh rest with his wrestling background and all that because he's like a multi you know, state champion wrestler or something like that. It's, you know, something crazy. So I think he'd be a good fit for it. He's a big bowling ball. He's got the body for it, you know. But I mean, they need the help at tackle. You know, I think the outside was one of, probably the worst part of the Bucks offensive line last year. Yeah, well, if they didn't address tackle. 
fans were going to be questioning things. And Absolutely. I think the league would have been a question. Everyone knew it was a need. And I don't know if Worst was their guy. I know most of the guys were off the board by then. So I don't know if he was the favorite. Uh, Jack, do you know who their favorite was leading up to the draft? Do you have any idea? I do not, but I did hear I, I did hear uh, some stuff from BA saying that they had guys you know, all the all four of them were right around the same grade, and that they would have been happy with any four of them. Uh, but it did it did kind of sound I don't know maybe I was just reading the tea leaves, but it did sound like like Thomas and uh, Beckton were were a little higher. Works was or Wills was a little higher. Um, yeah, so, so I don't know if if Works was just kind of who they ended up with, which you know is a pretty damn good consolation prize, but. I don't know if he's just the one that they ended up with or if they would have taken someone else. Like you said, I think they probably would have gone Andrew Thomas or Jedrick Wills or Mickey Becton if they had the shot at any of them over Worfs. But I still think they got a pretty good guy in this one. Um, Jack, in the second round, again, y'all took Antoine Winfield Jr. This guy is a do-it-all safety. He has a ball hockey mentality. This guy had nine interceptions in 2019 alone. Um, I love his play style, and I think he fits perfectly in Tampa Bay. His father is also three-time Pro Bowl cornerback Antoine Winfield, so it runs in the family. Jack, what did you think about picking up Winfield in the second round? I mean, I was stoked. I obviously thought that, I think, what, uh, Dobbins was still on the board. There were still some good running backs on the board at that point. I thought they were going running back. The fact that he was still there, because I think we all had a first-round grade on Antoine Winfield Jr., the injury concerns were the only thing. You know, I think he'd, what, missed uh, two of his four, year, four years or had injuries yeah. two of his four years. <clears throat> but, I mean, when he is on a field, he is a ball hawk. Uh, he's a hell of a run defender. I mean, he is everything you want from a safety. You know, he knows where to be. He has an insane understanding of the game, which, you know, obviously ties to the fact that his dad was a pro. So stepping in from, like, high school, this guy knew more about more about the game than most of his coaches ever will. So he's a student of the game type, and especially as a safety, if your reaction time mentally can be as fast as you are quick, then you're going to be at the ball. You know, you're, you're going to have opportunities to make plays a lot better than some of these other guys. And so I'm a, I'm stat, stoked, it's static. Um, I, I thought it was a great pick. I think honestly, I think it's the best pick of, of the entire draft for us, other than maybe the Tyler Johnson. You could you can make a um, a case for that one as well, but. With the He's value, do wonders. Really good with that one. The value yeah. is really good with Tyler Johnson. Yeah. Jack, let me ask you this. I think he could play free safety or strong. Do you see him coming in immediately starting at strong? Because that's where I have him. Is that what you, you think is going to happen as well? Um, I think I think he's going to be playing uh playing strong safety. I think they've got they've got just, uh Jordan Whitehead and Justin Evans gonna be returning back from injury too. But the way that they they used those guys last year, I don't know if you how much of the the Bucks games you watched, they they interchanged all three of those guys yeah. that they had. I think they had what was what was it uh, Whitehead and, and Mike um, Mike Edwards, and they even had Adams playing a little bit. They were very young on the back end, but they kind of used those guys in an interchangeable role, and that's just Todd Bowles' defense for you. Yeah, it's it, it, it a rotation. You know, yeah, exactly. They they use their strong safety and their free safety almost in identical roles. There isn't a huge difference, especially with a lot of those guys. They're all kind of play a similar style. You know, they can all play in the box and they can all play over the top. I think obviously Antoine Winfield Jr. is going to be the best in both areas, so it doesn't matter. Uh, but I think he is going to have a Jamal Adams like 
um, you know, impact that, that we've seen when Tom Bowles had somebody that talented in the secondary. So Bo was, I think, I'm pretty sure Bo, when we did our TSR mock draft on the podcast, yeah. I'm pretty sure you had Winfield going in the first round. And I might I have so. too. I, I don't even remember. Yeah, I was going to say you love Winfield. Yeah. Man. I want to yeah. hear, hear you talk about him. I mean, I love the turnover game. I mean, I got to correct you. It was seven picks in 2019, okay. nine okay. in his college career. But that's still outrageous, okay? only it's, it's, it's a shorter season in the NFL, not as many games to play, and you get seven picks. And you're giving a guy who gets picks like that to Tom Brady. You're not just giving him to any, any quarterback quarterback you're getting one of the guys that's the best at taking turnovers from his defense and turning it into points and not to mention you're giving him an offense full of weapons so Antoine Woodfield is going to do a lot for this defense he's going to hand him the ball back a lot and and that Bucks pass rush up front their four-man pass rush is so good that they're going to be able to roll out whatever DBs they want and ball hawk and you got the perfect guy for it here and you got him back it was the 45th pick I mean I thought he could have gone higher than that but I mean you got him. No, no matter where you got him, you got him, and that's what matters. And he, you know, he when he's on the field, he started for them. And you, you sometimes I think is T.J. Watt had injury problems at at, uh, at Wisconsin, but he hasn't had really any since he got yeah. in the NFL. I think he hurt his groin in this one game one time. You know, so that stuff can change once they take their diet, you know, their diet more serious. They get with NFL trainers, their life becomes about the game. And I think this is one of those guys with that pedigree of his, where he's going to be fully dived in the day he gets there. I think he's going to make a big impact on this team. Yeah, and like I said, you know, football success runs in the family. Yeah. So, you know, that helps as well. I think it's really cool that his dad was Like Jack said, he's bowler. coming in. He's It's like he's like the kid that skipped a grade. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. He just, he's, that's that's Antoine Winfield with his mind and the way he thinks about the game. And when you get a kid, he's all coming out of college and he already has such an in-depth understanding of football. I mean, you're really, you're working with a with a good hand right there. Yeah, you, re- you really are. I think he's going to fit in perfectly, like I said. I can't wait to see him in a Buccaneers uniform. I thought it was a really, really good pick. Like you said, Jack, it may have been my favorite pick that you guys had, especially just because, you know, he could have wow. gone. He could have been a first rounder. He could absolutely could have been a first rounder. It obviously didn't play out that way, but I think he definitely could have been. So so it's going to be interesting to see what he does. This In a coming different season. year, he could have been. I think there was such an emphasis on offensive players this yeah. year to be drafted, you know. So in a different year, it could have easily been that. Yeah. You there know, was he, also just. There was also just a ton of safety talent, you know, yeah. sitting there at the at the back end of the first. So they knew yeah. if they didn't grab one, you know, they went the offensive player. They're still going to be able to grab another another safety, you know, at, at, in the second. So yeah, I think that it, had a huge huge effect on his draft stock. If it wasn't for it being, you know, kind of a record breaking year with wide receivers and it being a deep offensive tackle class, then I agree with you, Bo. Like you said, a different year maybe he would have been first rounder. But th- this this year was very wide receiver heavy and offensive tackle heavy, and teams just you know jumped all over that. Um, now I want to talk about Keyshawn Vaughn, guys. We've already talked about this guy quite a bit. Y'all selected him into the third round, Jack. Uh, this guy's a very physical runner when you watch him on film. Uh, I know we've already talked about he's a hard-nosed runner. Um, I don't see him. I, okay, so I think that they're going to try to let Rojo see what they're going to try to see what he can do. I think that they're they're starting to you know he had a better season last year after he had a completely awful rookie season. Um, I think they're going to give him a little space, let him see what he can do. I don't see Keyshawn Vaughn coming out immediately and threatening Rojo for any starting job or anything like that. 
But I think he's definitely going to see a lot of time on the field. Like you said, Jack, just from a pass-catching standpoint. And he's a great pass blocker. I mean, you see that on film. And obviously, that's going to that's gonna impress coaches en- enough for him to see a, a solid amount of reps. He's also full of confidence. He tweeted this to his doubters last week. He said, reading all these disrespectful tweets that mention my name, fall in line with the rest of the doubters who hopped off the Vaughn train. So I love it. I love seeing him come in with a lot of confidence. But, Jack, so how how do you think the carries are going to be split here in Tampa Bay with Rojo and Keyshawn Vaughn? How, How do you see this playing out? I think it's going to be as close to 50-50 as it gets. And again, all it takes is one Rojo mess up. He's already been in the B.A. doghouse several times, whether it's fumbling the ball, whether it's dropping an easy pass, or it's missing a pass block. You know, I I don't think it's going to take much. There's a reason. If they drafted Rojo in the second, and they go back and, and less than two years later, they go grab Keyshawn Vaughn, you know, in the third, with basically their first luxury pick. You know, I, it's always a luxury pick to take a running back at any spot, but obviously they seem to seen it as a position of need. And still to this day, it's one of our few positions of need. This and and safety are, are probably the only other holes like that you can even come up with. And it might not even be a hole. If Keyshawn Vaughn comes out and balls out like he has done at Vanderbilt of all places the last two years, I think he's got <laughs> over... 2,700 yards and 28 touchdowns for, um, over the last two two seasons at Vandy. And to do that there, and if you watch the film, a terrible offensive line. No, I mean, he's basically the centerpiece, the focal point of the entire offense. And to do 6. that— 6.4 yards per carry behind that offensive line, too. That's yes. pretty, it's pretty crazy. He hits a hole. He's got tremendous field vision. Like, there's a lot of things I like. I just didn't like the fact that his, his running style— it's very similar to Rojo in terms of it's it's very straight line. It's, yeah, it is. You know, he has more contact balance, I think. He is a harder runner. Uh, but it's just, I think Zach, like, I, I was I was so in love with Zach Moss right there. That would have been the one I would have went with because we do have uh, a third down pass catching back on, on the roster and um, Agamawale. And so I, I just wish they would have, you know, kind of add to switched it up a little bit. But... That being said, he probably will have more yards than uh, than Zach Moss will. Zach Moss had injury concerns. Antoine Winfield had injury concerns, so I could see not wanting to go back-to-back with guys who have injury history coming out of college. It's just going to be interesting. Yeah, you know, I can't remember the story, but it, it was a really cool story about how Keyshawn Vaughn ended up at, at Vanderbilt and how he just really fell for, for the head coach at that time. I can't remember where he was playing before, but um, when he came to Vanderbilt, that's when everybody started to take notice uh, of him at least. I wish I could remember that story. But, Jack, do you see towards the end of the year, is Keyshawn Vaughn going to start stealing some of Rojo's reps? I I hope so. I mean, again, I just don't have any faith in, in Ronald Jones. Uh, he runs hard. But he doesn't run smart. Uh, he's he's just not a very talented running back. And I've always I, I seen that coming out of out of U, USC. He was taking advantage of of Pac-12 defenses, <laughs> and it just wasn't the same. I mean, it, it's when you have a big gaping wide open hole in, in college, you should break for 50, 60, 70 yards. Like you should do that. He hasn't yeah. done that since. I mean, he's had a couple big you know a couple good gains and a couple you know highlights. Uh, peppered into a lot more low light. So I do. I think Keyshawn Vaughn or any free agent they get 
is, is going to have uh, Rojo sitting on the bench by week eight at the latest. Hmm. Okay, I like that prediction. Um, I, now, you got to give him credit to this, Jack. Now, Ronald Jones did come out and have a better year last season, though, which, I mean, how could you not, again, you know, let, let's uh, take in everything here. But I think he did have a, a better year last year. What do you think, Bo? How do you see this whole thing playing out with the running back room? I don't know. I mean, Keyshawn Vaughn, like you said, like it takes one mistake. I could see him working his way in there. He's a hard runner, and he's definitely going to come in there and play hard and earn it. I mean, it, he like, he's just got such a compact build. It's hard to knock him off his feet, but he's also not going to make a lot of guys miss either at no, the same time. You say he's very linear. Um, and like you said, this kind of what he, they've already got. But – I think they're going to get a pretty, not I wouldn't say completely 50-50 split in carries, but I don't think they're going to be scared to give Keyshawn Vaughn the ball out of the gate. I think they should see what he's got. Like he said, he he did a lot with a little at Bandy. I mean, the, and they were going up against the best defenses in the in the country playing in the SEC. So, I mean, I like his upside, and I think that they should give him the ball and see what he's got early on. And if he get, and if he can do it. Hand it to him and let him get the rock. I mean, I don't think you're you haven't invested a bunch of money into Ronald Jones yet, you know, and he isn't just this a guy you have to have out there. He's undeniable. He's so good, you know. So you you can pretty much do what you'd like about you know about it. And then, do you think this Raymond this Raymond Calais kid? Um, he's really fast. Do you think he's got any chance of making some some waves on the roster? I I have him on my list as a super sleeper. I I'm yeah. very excited Speedy, to see what he can do. A super sleeper. If you could, if you watch his highlight reel, he is insanely yeah, fast. I have. It's it's zero. It's zero to a hundred in in a split yeah. second. I mean, he just all of his highlights are literally with him just running by the entire defense. You know, if you give him a crease or a wrinkle, he's gonna find he's gonna find the end zone. I mean, that it, it's insane how how fun his highlight reel was. And, you know, he's kind of this unsung hero, this underappreciated, undervalued, nobody talked about him coming out. I didn't know much about him until they drafted him. He could definitely push for some playing time, especially in a third down role, especially on, you know, on special teams. I think he could definitely carve out a punt return role. He's just that fast. I think he's got some. I think he was a good special teamer in college. If I'm, if I'm right, he was. He was a good he special teamer. He returned in a lot of kicks, and he kind of reminds me of. Uh, I mean, I have to give him my daily dose of Steelers. He kind of reminds me of when we brought in Kareth White, uh, and he just kind of gave us that change of pace back we didn't Love have. Love Kareth White, and and he could be that change of pace. You bring him in a couple times a game just to mix it up, but you never know what you're going to get. He may give you a 15 yard carry. He may catch a dump off and get your first down. You never know. Maybe it happens for you, Jack. Maybe you know Ronald, Ronald Jones is on the outside looking in, kind of like what you said about AP, and Keyshawn Vaughn and Calais become that thunder and lightning for you guys. Maybe that happens. Maybe that happens after this season. We, we don't know. Um, I do want to talk about Tyler Johnson. I'm going to say this. Now, you said, Jack, that you think there's, there's too many mouths to feed and you don't know what Johnson's going to do. Is, am I, was I correct when you said that? Um. I don't know if I said that necessarily, but I'll agree with that statement. I mean, I don't know how massive of an impact he's going to have this year because you have two top five, top ten at worst, uh, wide receivers on that team and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I mean, statistically, they were both top fives last year. Uh, and then you talk about the plethora of tight ends, and then you talk about the running backs we just kind of got done with. He He's... He's going to be more of a depth piece this year, but I could definitely see, you know, him getting some targets from Tom Brady. Yeah. So the interesting thing with Tyler Johnson during the whole pre-draft process was that 
he was pretty much overlooked or in my, what I would say is he wasn't given the credit that I thought he should have been given. I mean, this guy was a first team, all big 10. He, he had first team, all big 10 honors each of the past two years. He had 213 receptions, 3,300 yards, o- over 3,300 yards, actually 16 100 yard games and 33 receiving touchdowns during his career at Minnesota. And last year in 2019, he had 86 receptions, 1300 yards and 13 touchdowns. All of those numbers are per sports reference. And with all of that, he didn't even get an invite to this past year's senior bowl. Do you remember that Bo? when he didn't get that invite and you were like, why is he not getting there? Yeah. It blew my mind. And obviously instead he had to accept an invite to the shrine bowl. I'm going to say this. His, his game isn't particularly strong in any certain facet. He's a solid route runner. He has a good frame. He has good hands. He's not overly quick or fast, but he has enough speed to create separation. And I will say this. If you watch his film, you will, you will see this immediately. He makes difficult and contested catches frequently. He, yep. he, he has good body control. Uh, he has no problem fighting I, off DBs to make I comp him to Larry Fitz, kind of. Okay, all right. That's just, actually just a like pretty pos- good... Uh, possession receiver, n- n- it hardly drops the ball, that kind of thing. So, so Jack, I have a massive... Actually, you know what? I'm going to save the prediction. I'm going to save it for when we're, we're going over the, the uh, depth chart. Uh, I can't wait to tell you what my prediction is with Tyler Johnson. But, Jack, okay. you know, with Tyler Johnson coming there, I mean, wh- what are you talking? What do you see this guy? I mean, how many looks does this guy have? I mean, if you had to just out of the blue pull out like a stat sheet, you see this guy, how much, you know, how involved is he going to be? I don't know. I would say 25, 30 catches, a couple touchdowns, three, four times. I mean, there's just, like we said, there's so much talent. There's so many weapons that where does he fall in? I think he's best suited if, you know, God forbid, knock on wood, you know, Chris Godwin or Mike Evans happens to go down. He slides right in and, and they don't really skip a beat because they still have a true number one wide receiver regardless if they lose either of those guys um you know I, I hope that doesn't happen you know it was nice to see them on the field all season last year or up until the the end of the year uh i i think it's going to be a limited role i really do he is that talented if in any other draft i think he wouldn't have been so overlooked again there was so much wide receiver talent this was probably the most stacked wide receiver class of all time so when it comes down to it I'm okay. I'm definitely as a Bucks fan. I'm okay that he slid that far. It was very unexpected. I mean, he had he definitely had the catch of the year last year with that that over the shoulder tip catch that with his dragging the toes in the end zone. Yeah. I mean, and he had a highlight reel of insane, you know, OBJ like type catches. Mm-hmm. And so he could definitely be utilized, and not even just in the red zone, but anywhere. And He's gonna find he's gonna find a role. I just don't know how big he can how big of a role he can carve out with the fact that you know you have Gronk, which is the not gonna be Brady's favorite target. And when's a lot? I mean, it's been since Randy Moss, since Tom Brady's had a big bodied Mike Evans type, you know. And then how how well is him and Chris Godwin gonna mesh? I think that's gonna be the target right there. I think. Him and Chris Godwin, with how crisp and clean of a route runner Chris Godwin is and how easy it is for him to get the ball and him to have, you know, his yak ability, uh, that, that to me is going to be the connection I, I'm most intrigued to see. And I think by the end of the season, Chris Godwin will surpass Mike Evans as the true number one wide receiver on the Buccaneers <clears throat> roster. Let me ask yeah, you guys this. Was Chris Godwin's breakout last year 
the most surprising breakout of the season last year? I mean, did, it, did either one of you? Did either one of y'all see this? I think him and Shaq Barrett together surprised me more than anybody oh, in the yeah. league last year. Oh, I think yeah, both okay. of them together blew my mind. Is one the Bucks? You could set it on both sides of the ball with the Bucks. You 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 could. But the did either only one other of you one you that could company? say is Lamar Jackson. Like yeah. Lamar okay. Jackson right. step yeah. up. I think that's the only other one. But other than that, yeah, I didn't. I knew Chris Godwin was good. I didn't know he was that good. Yeah, I did not know he was capable of that. Um, yeah. And like you said, Jack, you basically have two number ones now. I mean, and like you said, they were both top, pretty much top five wide receivers, especially when you're looking at a number standpoint from last season, which is a luxury in itself just to have. It could um, be the I, best weapons Tom Brady's ever had on one team. Is. I mean, it, it could be. And I think Tyler Johnson, just to touch on that for a second, but I think his, one of his biggest problems is because no one's better distributing the ball than Tom Brady is. But I think just making sure Tom Brady throws it to the guys who knows exactly where they're supposed to be, exactly when he's letting the ball go. If he can get his anticipation right and get the playbook down and be exactly where he's supposed to be, there's no telling where he, could, you know, how many times he could get he'll, the ball. He'll but excel if he's able being, to do yeah, that. Yeah, being a rookie, being a rookie, with Tom Brady, you gotta you gotta get your timing right, and that's gonna be that's gonna be a little tough for him. Yeah, it, w- it will be. And Bo, like you just said, talking about is this Tom Brady's best weapons he's ever had? I have to imagine it is. When has Tom Brady ever had three tight ends that are at least that talented um, in the same like room? Gronk and Aaron Hernandez. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think one yeah. year he had Wes Welker and Randy Moss together. Yeah. But outside of that, yeah, in terms of having two tight ends, having two. You know, mm-hmm. two number one wide receivers, another yeah. rookie wide receiver who can come into his own, a, a deep threat wide receiver in Scotty Miller. Yeah. You know, a, a decent offensive line. Like this offensive line was top 10 in, in terms yeah. of pass blocking last year. It's so like the it, third it, highest paid line in football last year, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Sadly. yeah. Yeah, I think it's that's not always a good. That's not always a good thing. Yeah, I know. The interior of the line is better than the outside, but that we'll see how that goes this year. I mean, Tom Brady does help the offensive line with how fast he gets the football out. Jameis yeah. did not excel at that. J- Tom Brady will have that ball out in three seconds. Jameis would roll out, look around, and then throw a deep bomb for a pick. You know, it won't be <laughs> yeah. quite that way. These will be out routes. These will be slants. These will be drags. These will be quick things. It's gonna be it's gonna be exciting to watch, and and I hope that Tyler Johnson does get involved quite a bit because I think he has the talent to do so. But like you said, Jack, it, it, or I guess guess what I said, it is a lot of mouths to feed, and I really you know you don't know what to expect from a rookie coming in. But I, I do think he's too talented not to at least see a solid amount of targets. Um, and another guy, the last guy I want to touch on with the draft is Khalil Davis. You know, this dude, I think he's going to provide quality depth for the Buccaneers in 2020. He had eight sacks in 2019. Um, He's got a quick first step. He bursts off the line, has great power at the point of attack. Um, You know, what, Jack, do you think that Khalil Davis, I guess, is he going to immediately come into a second string role for you guys? I mean, what what do you see with Khalil Davis coming in out of Nebraska? Uh, He has to. We don't have a choice after losing Bo Allen. Obviously, we still have Vita Vea. We got Ndamukong Sue. We have two stud defensive tackles. We arguably have the best front four in the, in the NFL right now. Arguably. Uh, top five for sure. But with the, the loss of Bo Allen and Carl Nassif, who was able to play the D-tackle role as well uh, as the, the uh, 3-4 DN, and, and, and uh, you know, 7-tech. I mean, he played again. He played it. I can't I can't reiterate how big of a loss Carl Nassif was. Um Khalil Davis, somebody I am super intrigued by because if you watched his stats last or his uh, film last year, 
it was all because he was just that much more physically dominant than anybody else he played. Like, there was little technique to it. He's literally either blowing by guys with his first step or he's just shoving them out the way or ragdolling them. Like, him and his brother are so freakishly athletic. Um, there, there's very little technique to it, and so I can only imagine what happens. This is somebody who I could actually see, you know, having a long career as a late-round draft pick just because he is still so raw um, when it when it comes to technique, and, and he's still learning the game. He's he's an athlete first and, and a football player second at this point in his career. Yeah, you see you uh, see videos agree. of him and his brother like pulling trucks. I mean, at three oh eight. Yeah, the, running a four seven, it's like speed. It's like speed and strength, and you know, that makes it makes the explosion. And he has so much of that. I mean, at eight sacks in in an interior line position last year in Nebraska. I mean, like you said, he was just mauling people, and like he's he has that NFL quickness to you know jump off the ball and make a play and beat some of these guys with with his timing. And so, like, I'm very intrigued by him too. I mean, there there's they are probably the two strongest D line players that came out in this draft is the Khalil and, and Carl is his brother now jack with all this being said what do you what, what would your uh grade for the class be oh um, i thought it i thought it was a solid b to b plus like i can't give it an a because of the fact that it wasn't my favorite you know worse i still think worse is is a outstanding guard and a good tackle obviously he can come into his own the winfield pick was it was a favorite of mine same thing with the tyler johnson i think those were their two strongest picks but knowing what we know now, I always have to incorporate the fact that we could have landed Trent Williams. We could have, you know, maybe taken, like, if you could have landed a Trent Williams with what the Niners paid for him and then grabbed, you know, one of those other guys that was sitting right there, if you didn't have to spend that pick on that, uh, you know, think about if it, if you took the Niners draft and gave it to the Bucks. The Bucks would be a better team right now. If they had Javon Kinlaw on that defensive line and Trent Williams instead of Tristan Wirfs, my God. So <laughs> that's the one I, I struggle with, knowing what we know now. That's, that's what I would have been trying to do with that. I mean, the draft class is really, really good. I'm not going to say it's great. I, again, I'm so super stoked on Winfield and, and Tyler Johnson. And and you know davis and and uh clay but uh, i'm iffy on Worfs because Worfs is still a uh, day one will be the biggest liability on the offensive line um until he corrects those flaws so my grade is going to be a b plus jack again mine's a b plus it's asked you for the same reason as you for the whole worst i think you could have maybe gotten a better t- obviously you couldn't got a better tackle but because everybody he was he was who them. was left yeah he was who he was, was left but i'm saying you know i think that like jack said he's he's gonna be day one a liability i, I think now i'm not saying he's gonna be a liability but i think he could be one and it's a good chance that he could be one and then also i think the Chappelle russell pick i don't know what you guys thought about that i thought there were maybe a, a, some other guys that they could you know they could have gotten their seventh round the Chappelle Russell, obviously, you know, the linebackers are pretty stacked. We're about to go over them with Tampa Bay. But I thought maybe they could have gone a, a different direction there, maybe also gone defensive line again um, after grabbing Khalil Davis. But mine's a B plus. Bo, what is your uh, grade for the class? 
I did the same thing at B plus. I mean, I think we all feel the same way about it. I mean, they were it was pretty clear what they were addressing in this draft in this draft process. Um, and I like the Chappelle Russell pick a little more than you do. I think he's a DB conversion, I believe, when he's at Temple. Yeah, he is. And he's just he just kind of you're seeing that a lot now. And I think you know they're going to throw him in and you know special teams and stuff like that and see what he can do. And I mean, I don't think you can ever go wrong with having too many linebackers in rotation. I mean, that's just my opinion. No, and you, you so, can't. You can't. But like like Jack said, you know, defensive line depth is a, is kind of a big need, and I just thought they could have maybe gone defensive line again. Maybe not. Maybe Chappelle Russell comes out and just blows it away and proves me wrong, but I was just thinking they could have gone defensive line again. But yeah. after we've talked about the draft class, I do want to talk about basically the whole offensive and defensive depth chart, Jack. Obviously, on offense, we'll start right off with it. Quarterback is Tom Brady. There is nobody else. Running back, Ronald Jones, Keyshawn Vaughn, and we said, you know, uh, Calais as well. Wide receiver one, Mike Evans. Wide receiver one, Chris Godwin. And then, so here's here's my prediction, Jack. My prediction is Tyler Johnson comes out and wins the wide receiver three job over Scotty Miller. Now, it may be I, bold. I it may be a hot take. But, but I, I can just I – I see it happening. I think he's just too talented um, to not win that job. Even though Scotty Miller is good in his own right, I think Tyler Johnson just has – like Bo said, if he can get down his anticipation, learn the playbook, I think he has everything you need from a guy to wide receiver three. And I think he definitely can become that for the Buccaneers. Obviously, when you're talking about tight ends, Rob Gronkowski, O.J. Howard, Cameron Bright, you don't need to say anything else. That is probably the best. It has to be the best tight end room in the NFL, I would imagine. And then, obviously, on the offensive line, left tackle, Donovan Smith, left guard, Ali Marpet, uh, center, Ryan Jensen, right guard Alex Kappa, and right tackle Tristan Wirfs. That's how I have it. Is that how you see the offensive line playing out, Jack? I, I think there is a chance Haig could get, depending on how Kappa plays. Kappa's been one of those guys that came out of Humboldt State a couple years ago and, and dominated you know, lower-level competition. He's kind of held his own, struggled at times. I could see Haig, you know, if they're looking for the best five, and, and that's something that B.A. always says, I want the best five. I don't care what's, what, where they're on, what side they're on. I want the best five offensive linemen. I think Haig could could replace Kappa at right guard unless Kappa is able to make that 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 leap. Um, but coming from you know a D three, it's understandable that he's kind of had this growing pain. He could still be a, a hell of a starting starting guard, but I, I think Haig just from the experience might push him. So so you think he Haig edges him out? I, I think so. I think it, it could. He's, so, he's definitely he's definitely their sixth offensive lineman. Either one of those guys is going to be their sixth offensive lineman. So we just went over the offense, Jack. How confident as a Bucks fan are you in that offense coming into this I, year? I mean, extremely confident. I think that this this is the only offense from a talent standpoint that can possibly keep up with with Kansas City. I think score for score. There's so much talent. I mean, tell tell me this. You, you have to say that you would rather have, minus the quarterback, you'd rather have this offense. I, me personally, I guess I would say, I'd rather have this offense than KC's offense. You're absolutely they have right. Some insane oh, oh, wide receivers. I might but rather have just, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, uh, but that's about it in there. <laughs> same, same. I, I'm a huge Clyde Edwards Hilaire yeah. fan. But if you're talking about, especially with the loss of. Uh, Tardif, they're right. They're starting right guard as of as of news that broke yesterday. Him being the yeah. first one. This this offensive line is better. 
The wide receivers are better. The tight end room is better than than Kelsey and company. Um, the only thing you could say is, is the running back room. Yeah. So, I think the only – I'm trying to think. You, you can't really say it from a tight end perspective. The, the only team that I can see that would maybe – again, the Buccaneers are still better. The Ravens? I, I was going to say, you know, the Ravens could be – well, the Ravens don't have the wide receivers. The yeah. Ravens, Ravens don't have anything near the wide receivers. The uh, – the Buccaneers do. Only team I could see put up there in the same, it's, and it's still not even even in the same level. Is the Cowboys offense? The Cowboys—they're not offense, consistent enough. <laughs> no, they're not consistent. Yeah. Enough. But when you just go down on paper, the Cowboys are really good. But still, on paper, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. It, it's not even. They're still not. You know, Chris, Michael Gallup's a great, great number two, but Chris Godwin's a number one. I mean, Tom yeah. Brady's got two number one wide receivers. He's walking into with right yeah. now. Yeah, and Tom's gonna make it. Tom's gonna make the offensive line better, like I said earlier, by getting the ball out much faster. Yeah, so they're he all is. Improve, and he's he's gonna help them understand the game better too. On top of that, and so like I don't know. I, I think I think it's on paper it looks like the best. You know, they, they, they may be. I know OJ Howard just came out recently and said that um, they're one of the best, if not the best. And I'm gonna obviously have to agree with him. And I think they are the best offense on paper. Um, and hopefully it's not just on paper. I can't hopefully. wait to see what O.J. Howard, if he can improve, you know, with, with Tom Brady. I'd li- I can't wait to see that. I, yeah. I want to throw this out there. You have to remember that O.J. Howard and Jameis Winston were mm-hmm. never on the same page. Never. never. They never, never were. You could tell they were really They were never on the same page. When Ryan Fitzmagic was playing, O.J. Howard was one of the best tight ends in football. I think we're going <laughs> to see that. It's going to happen again. Um, he's going to be a beast. Obviously, again, it's going to be one of those shared split time type of deals. But, I mean, is the, it's not the best what, 12 personnel that, that there is. Yeah. And one of those tight ends is going to get the, the short end of the stick doing the blocking. So one of them is going to have to step up in that facet, too. What yeah. Well, I mean, OJ OJ's a stout blocker. Yeah. I don't think they're going to ask Gronk to do a lot of that though this year. I don't see that happening. No, no, he's only going. lost. They were saying he was his playing weight versus his walk around weight was only the total of like fifteen pound difference. Yeah, but then he wear that. He looks so different. I mean, that fifteen pounds playing in position like tight end is a that is kind of a big difference. Yeah, but muscle memory is a you know what, and I think he yeah. could put that on real quick. Hopefully, oh, he definitely can. If anybody can, it's Gronk. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I heard that he is going to play a little bit lighter, which, again, isn't a bad thing. I don't think they need him to, to why be Why risk him blocking? You know? I mean, yeah, why do I it? Mean, yeah. Obviously, he can, and I'm sure they yeah. will use him as a blocker on a handful of plays. But sure. I think longevity and making sure that he's playoff ready is going to be the biggest thing. So yeah. I think he will be on a snap count, which is why I still just don't agree with it, paying a part-time player $10 million when that money could have <laughs> went to Trent Williams. Yeah. <laughs> Jack wants this Trent Williams so yeah, bad, and I, I don't it. blame him. I, I, don't I blame wanted him this either. before it all happened. I was screaming for Trent Williams, and it, it just it just never came true. And now the Niners got him, and and of course they do. Um, Jack, I want to talk about y'all's defense a little bit. Obviously, y'all are running a three-four. Um, so I'm I'm gonna tell you how I see the the depth chart playing out here, and you tell me if there's any changes you'd make. Um, Obviously, the the front three, Nadama Kung Su, a defensive end, nose tackle is going to be Vita Vea, um, who, by the way, I loved coming out of um, Washington. Washington, yeah, Washington. Uh, and then defensive end, William Golston. Um, the linebacker room, so when I was writing this down, I was like, my God, 
their linebacker room is nasty. It's so good. Let me ask y'all this. Okay, let me go over who they are. At the will linebackers, Jason Pierre-Paul. Uh, the inside linebacker, Devin White. Inside linebacker, Levante David. And then the Sam is going to be Shaquille Barrett. Let me ask y'all this. Is this the best linebacker core in the NFL? Yeah. Okay, I think so. After arguably the best front, arguably the best front seven in the NFL. I agree with that statement too. I, when I was looking at the linebackers, I was like, I don't know of a team that has better players than this. Like the the, the four linebackers, I don't know if there's a better linebacker core in the NFL than these guys. But would you agree with that? Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to run through them in my head right now, but I can't. I'm trying to pull it out on the spot. But I oh, mean, I, I, I can't. I don't have an. Yeah, I don't have much of an argument maybe. for you. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Who are you going to say, Jack? I said well, the Cowboys yeah, are I the guess, only team you can, yeah, I guess you can possibly Ash, throw out there. Jalen Smith, Sean Lee. Yeah, I mean, that's the only guys, and it still doesn't – I mean, you know, I, I, I think this linebacker room is incredible. And like you said, Jack, this could be the best front seven in football, and I may just go ahead and give it that title. Because when I was doing it, I was like, my God, this defense is insane. And I was like, we, we, you know, we, you're coming off right in the offense, and you're like, well, there's no offense better than this in the NFL. And then you come to the defense, and it's like they're stacked there too. It's ridiculous. But I want to say this about Levante David real quick. I got to bring this up. Let me see if I can get my little, uh, little diagram up here. All right, so I want to talk about Le- Levante David compared to two of the game's best linebackers. I don't know if you saw this, Jack. Levante David compared to Luke Keekley and Bobby Wagner. Levante oh, yeah. David has <laughs> played uh, three more games than Luke Keekley and two more games than Bobby Wagner. He has, I think, what is it, 90 less tackles than both of them. Uh, only 90 less. Um, he has more solo tackles than either one of them, more tackles for loss than either one of them, more sacks than either one of them. He has, has pretty much the same interceptions as both of them. Pretty much he has the same passes defended as Bobby Wagner. Obviously, Luke Keekley was really good in coverage. Um, so Luke Keekley has more in that. He has more forced fumbles than Bobby Wagner or Luke, uh, Luke Keekley. More fumble recoveries and more takeaways forced. Now, did Bo, would you ever expect to hear that? No, I mean, that's all news to me. I, I would, would never would never think of it and think of him in that light. But I mean, it definitely makes sense. He's I mean, I you see him making plays on the field, but those are some those are two Pretty good names to put him up against right there. Yeah, and all of that's per Trevor Sikama on Twitter. But and have they been in the league the same amount of time? Is that what it was? They were drafted the same year? Levante Davis played two more games than both of them. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Wow. Yeah, they, they all came in at the same time. It, it always bugged me because the year Luke Keekley won Defensive Player of the Year, the stat lines weren't even comparable. Levante Davis had a better stat line. Yeah, uh, I saw that And too. that year, that year he was the only – I think he set – was it, I think it was back was it back in 2013? Yeah, he had five interceptions, 10 pass breakups, four or two forced fumbles, and then a handful of, of uh, sacks at the same time. He, he was one of the only players to ever put up that stat line of having, I think it was five plus uh, or five plus turnovers, five plus sacks. Yeah, he had seven sacks in 2013, um, two forced fumbles and five interceptions. He's the only player in history to put up that sack line. And then, you know, Luke Keekley is the one getting the recognition. It's always driven me crazy. Let me ask you this. Why is that, Jack? Why is Levante David not getting the credit he deserves? Why do you think that is? A majority of that was because the Bucks played in a 4-3 scheme. And so he was okay. just kind of, especially when it comes to Pro Bowl voting, like it is 
asinine that he doesn't have, uh, you know, he's not a, a yearly pro bowler. One-time pro bowler. Yeah, one-time. One-time pro bowl, one-time all-pro. That's that's it. It's it's disgusting. Fox fans it forgetting is... about him. That's not cool. Oh, no, it's not us. It's, the rest, it's, it's, it's not else. us forgetting about him. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But, but I don't it, understand how us, that there's just, they're not, there's just not that many uh, Bucks it's fans fan to vote. make the You can't Pro depend Bowl on it. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying it's it's fan it's fan voted. You can't you can't put it all in that. You know, if he has a great season and misses out. It's not all. It's not like it's his fault. You know, yeah, still put the still, still put the numbers up. They still play in a hybrid scheme. So yeah. I think still even last year as they as they you know Todd Bowles is a three four. They still played you know a, a base coverage a majority of the time anyways. So he he just he's never gotten a lot of love. Yeah, no, he really hasn't. The, what the fact that he's been a one-time Pro Bowler and like you said, one-time first team, first team All Pro. That's I'm pretty sure. What, what was Luke Kuechly? I think he was a seven-time Pro Bowler and Bobby Wagner a six. But yet, yeah, Levante David stands up perfectly with, with them or beating them in most statistical categories. I don't get it. I, I, well, I just well, um, I, Jacob, you've kind of you've kind of touched on it with I don't know other teams. Is like the flash factor. You know, Luke Keekley was on some pretty good teams with the Panthers that were always on TV playing in big games That's in the playoffs. True. That's true. And I mean, there's a flash factor. I mean, when you're getting more airtime, you're getting more recognition from everyone, yeah, from the are. fans, from the ones who vote for the All Pros, whatever it is. Which is you're awful. still getting more exposure. It is. It is. And there are guys every year. There's guys that get left by the wayside. It is a lot of those smaller market teams that haven't aren't winning a lot of games at the moment. And that, I mean, that could be one of the factors too. Well, like you, you know. That that's true, Bo. What you just said is true. The whole the full, whole flash factor. It, what's sad is there are so many great players in the NFL that don't get the recognition they deserve because they're not on primetime television all the time. Yeah, I, I just think it's I, I don't know. Like you said I, it affects you, the MVP race too. Sometimes you never it absolutely know. does. It absolutely does. But again, it, it just sucks to see a guy like Levante David who's been so consistent and so good throughout his career just be overlooked. I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. I mean, he stands up there with the best of them. So, so you know, I just had to put that out there, especially once I knew I was doing the Buccaneers episode with Jack. I was like, I got to get these stats in here. Uh, I know he'll <laughs> love this. Um, it's but Jack, honestly, it's a Hall of Fame stat line. 11 interceptions, oh, it is. 21 forced fumbles, 22 and a half sacks, 1,000 tackles in eight years. I think it's like an average That's of almost insane. 120 tackles a season. Um, and then 116 tackles for loss. Like, that is Hall of Fame like caliber. He may be one of the most disrespected players in NFL history. He really might be. That's and not I, no I, I never thought about that until we did this podcast, and you're, I think you're absolutely right about that. That's, just, that's wild. And, and I'm going to say this. No matter what he does, I'm, I'm going to make a, a bold statement here. No matter what he does the rest of his career, Jack, you know what they're going to look at? You know, uh, a lot of players – or not players. Players know how good each other are. But a lot of fans are going to look at his career when it's said and done, and he's going to have all these amazing numbers that stand up, and by that time will be more than Luke Keekley and could very well be more than Bobby Wagner. But they're going to say, well, you know, this guy was really good, but ah, he just doesn't have any Pro Bowls. You yeah. know, that, that is something that it, it, it blows me away. It blows me away that people are going to look at stuff like that. But again, at least he can always home. call himself former All Pro because he got one, you know? Yeah, he did. He did. At least he uh, can say that for life. That's true. Well, um, it, if he adds a ring to uh, yeah to his resume, that oh, would that'll help. help. That'll that help. Can give him a big boost. <laughs> that that can get him in Canton for sure. I'd be I'd be okay with that. Uh, guys, I want to talk about the secondary real quick. Jack, obviously, cornerback. You got Carlton Davis. That was uh, obviously former Auburn player. 
Strong safety, I have Antoine Winfield Jr. Free safety, I have Jordan Whitehead. And the other cornerback spot, I have Sean Murphy Bunting. Um, how do you feel about the secondary, and how do you feel about the defense overall heading into 2020? Oh, so you're messing up. Jamal Dean is the number one cornerback no, right. on the Tampa right. Bay Buccaneers. Right, you're right. Um, and, and it wasn't so supposed gonna to be, be that. It's going to be it him was, and Murphy Bunting. Yes, yes. Carlton Davis will likely. I mean, they're going to. I think uh, Murphy Bunting may be best suited for the slot. It's going to be a, an interchange of those three again. Why do I sub package. What's that? I don't know why I forget Dean. I, I forgot him the entire podcast, and you keep mentioning him, and I just keep forgetting about him. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, he barely played in college. Again, he's an Auburn star, too. But, I mean, when you watched his film, like, I, when we drafted him, I barely knew anything. I know he was the op, he was opposite of, of Davis the year before when Davis was, was playing for Auburn. So he's got a year. He's got a year. Or Carlton Davis has got a year on Jamal Dean. But we never really heard much of anything about him. But when you watch us play, I mean, he has 4-3 speed. He's tall, lengthy, and he hits like a Mack truck. He does. Um, you know, he's not afraid. For a cornerback, he is not afraid of anybody. I mean, he's willing to go head up with anybody that gets that, that's got the ball, and I love that. Like, he is – I mean – at towards the end of the year, he was he had a similar stat line as, as Stephon Gilmore in terms of uh, uh, target versus percentage percentage of catch rate. He is a beast. I mean, he had one bad game to start off, and I think he gave up three touchdowns his very first start, and then after that, he didn't give up a single touchdown. So he is a hell of a a cornerback prospect. And if that second half of the season that we saw him, you know, carve out a starting role you know, and be able to shut down or slow down guys like Julio Jones, we have a true number one corner. And if that's the case, then this entire secondary kind of changes. We have a bunch of guys between Carlton Davis, Jamal Dean, Sean Murphy Bunting. These guys are all super young. They are. So you have a super young secondary. Very young secondary. Nobody's even on a second year or second contract. Every the oldest, one of the oldest every, dude is four years in the league. Yeah. yeah. And, and so – I'm nervous because of how young that is. I mean, we've seen the Eagles were able to to keep, uh, you know, a young a young kind of uh, inexperienced secondary and make it make do. I would have loved to have seen us grab, you know, at least one veteran cornerback. But all these guys are they're not liabilities. They're not bad cornerbacks. They they do have a chance of making a huge jump this year, year one to year two, year two to year three for for Davis and and. Uh, you know, Bunting, again, I think he'll probably likely be the slot corner. He's got a little bit quicker, more agile than Carlton Davis. Um, but they may they may move around quite a bit. Who knows? So if you had to give a one to till one to one to till one to ten, <laughs> ten being the most most confident, one being the least confident, what's your confidence level in this defense? Oh, the defense as a whole? Mm-hmm. Um probably an eight. Okay. Eight, I like maybe that. Yeah, I would say an eight because, again, it relies so much on Jamal Dean um, or a cornerback. As long as we have one corner, one of these three cornerbacks step up and be a good, you know, shutdown, lockdown corner like Jamal Dean, again, was towards the end of the season last year, then we're going to be very good. Antoine Winfield Jr. is going to uh, help out on the back end of the defense big time. Our safeties Definitely. Were, our safeties were so inexperienced last year. I mean, they just they didn't have any playing time. So for us to even be a, a remotely good defense on the back end, 
Uh, I'll be happy. Justin Evans coming back. That dude is he's the only player in NFL in the NFL right now who could say that they they put uh, Derrick Henry on his ass. So uh, that that's something to be excited about between him and Winfield Jr. And that it's going to be a good combo. But, you know, I heard Jamal uh, Jamal Adams is looking for a home. So I, I wouldn't be upset if they went all in. And, oh, my and God. Imagine if they got Jamal Adams. Antoine put, put him in your Jamal Super Bowl. Adams on the same team. Oh, oh my gosh. Ride it in. Be changing be a Super Bowl pick. So Jack, <laughs> At Jack, least for the t- NFC. Jack, it's time to uh, make your record prediction, man. So do you want to go first, or do you want us to give all record predictions for your Buccaneers? I, it doesn't matter. All right. Well, I'll go first. I have them going – either 10 and 6 or 9 and 7 but I ended up going 10 and 6. The schedule isn't way too hard. I don't, I don't think the schedule is that difficult. Um I think there's so much talent on this team. The only reason I have them having six losses is some of them but just because from a chemistry standpoint. I think they they may come out and maybe drop maybe two games but then as the season rolls on they just pick up steam and start rolling. So I have them going 10 and 6. Bo, what's your record prediction? A little better, man. I got 12 and 4 on my side. Okay. I just I like and like you I don't I don't know. I don't I didn't see too many games that that this roster and what you see right now, at least all we know is what they have on paper right now. We haven't won any preseason games. We have no practice film to work off of. All we have to work off is what we see on paper and what we saw from these guys last year. And, I mean, the losses I have, I won't go through all the wins, but the losses I have are I have them losing to New Orleans twice just because I think New Orleans is going to be really good this year, and that's going to be the big their biggest I guess the obstacle in the way of success is going to be New Orleans. Um, and then uh, KC and Minnesota. And actually, I counted it up wrong. I'm having 11 and 5. I counted it up wrong. I have five losses. Uh, two to New Orleans, one to, lost to Green Bay in week six, Kansas City and Minnesota. So I think I, I had the exact same losses, but it was Minnesota, Green Bay, the What's Saints your extra twice. One? I'm trying to remember what my extra one was. It's got to be um, – it's got to be – did you lose to Carolina one of the times or something? I mean, I don't see what other game you could see on the yeah, schedule. I did. I did lose to Carolina. Yeah, because, I mean, that's a divisional, you know, split, maybe I think, game I they think they're going to play but... each other hard, and I, I just see maybe Christian McCaffrey taking yeah. over one game, making a big play. Yeah. Um, Jack, what's your record prediction for your team? So, I got I, – I believe it's going to be a 12-4. and four. I, I kind of – I literally wrote down – 10 and 6 if it's bad, 12 and 4 if it's good. It just depends on how much work they're able to put in this offseason. If they can get somewhat of a full training camp and these guys are on page and Tom Brady's on page with on the same page with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson and OJ Howard and Rob Gronkowski and Cameron Brait, this is going to be a tough team to beat. Uh, I think there is a little bit of turmoil over there in New Orleans now. And uh, some some people aren't too happy with their starting quarterback. I think that might play a yeah, slight yeah. part. That that kind of went from me being iffy about them being able to beat them. I don't think they'll beat them week one in New Orleans. Uh, but then who knows? If there's no fans, you know what is that going to do? To yeah, the it will Super change does New Orleans. Does that give them like, that give them advantage? That definitely plays in favor of the Buccaneers because the Buccaneers out stadiums they don't have the yeah. loudest home field <laughs> the saints if they have nobody in the stands and it's tom brady's debut versus drew Brees, like i'm just more excited to see that twice this year than anything else that's gonna uh, be so much fun but who knows that's the thing is we're talking about back-to-back years where where drew Brees hasn't been able to stay healthy so is this gonna be by what is it week nine you know is that going to be Jameis Winston or or Taysom Hill playing Tom Brady 
I don't know. I think they're they're gonna split with the Saints. I think they likely will split with the with the Falcons. They always the Falcons always play them tough. The Bucks beat them last year, um, but the Falcons are gonna be back in the mix. They're always super talented, but then they just can never put it together. I think I'm sure KC will probably beat the Bucks. Uh, you know, but again, that's a game where I could see them winning. I do think that they're gonna beat the Packers though. I think that they are above and beyond better than the Packers. I think the Packers are a bad team this year. So, so bold take here. I think that the Packers missed the playoffs. I, I think so, too. Okay. Maybe it's not that bold. Huh. Maybe I'm the only one that thought that was bold. I just don't see them. I, 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 can, I can see them missing it. I, that's all I'm going to say. I can just see them missing it. Do you think Minnesota wins that division this year? Yeah. I think Minnesota does. I, I agree. They, they had too okay. good too good of a draft. Exactly. God, the Green Bay Packers a had about as bad of a draft as you can get, and I love Jordan Love. That's my boy. But th- you know, I don't. Want, we're not want to get too deep into the Packers right now. I was about to ask a question, but I feel like we could go all day on this. Oh, I, well, I could. I could go all day on this. And you know, that draft alone with Minnesota, like you said, just kind of put them over the Packers. The Packers had an awful draft class. I mean, that you can't you can't say it any other way than that. They had an awful draft class. I don't really know what was going on yeah. in the organization's thinking. Um, again, like you said, Jack, I'm a fan of Jordan Love, but I was very uh, confused by the pick, to say the least. Um, now, guys, I want to talk about our top five all-time Buccaneers. Um, Jack, would you like to go first and tell us your top five all-time? Yeah. And, and yeah. how did you how did you do it? Did you do a all-time, you know, the top five all-time, basically just a team history, or are they, or are they your favorite top five? Uh, I did my favorite top five because there's no way I couldn't yes. put the person I wanted at number one um, if I was doing a realistic, you know, greatest of all time. This is my, from a fan's perspective, my top five favorite Buccaneers of all time. You're in luck because that's my favorite type of list when, when the fans is who their favorite guys are were to them, you know, as, this they, is as someone watching the team. Favorite player of all time. He's literally the reason why I am such a big Bucks fan. He's a reason, like, I literally wore the guy's face mask, you know, when playing Pop Warner. Like, I wore his, his jersey number one year. Like, I tried to emulate him. Um, so, I, there, there's a reason why. There's no way I could not not have him number one, even though he probably isn't the greatest Buck of all time. Okay, well, I can't um, wait to hear it, man. Start at five and work your way down to number one. All right, so I'll, I'll throw my honorable mentions. Um, Sapp didn't make the list. Hardy Nickerson, uh, Simeon Rice, uh, Doug Williams, uh, Keyshawn Johnson, and you got to throw in Martin Gramatica. Um, those are all my, my honorable mentions. Sapp could make the list. Um, Hardy Nickerson was one of my favorites growing up. I don't know how many Hardy Nickerson cards I still have in a box somewhere. Um, but coming in at number five, John Lynch. Uh, he was the tone setter of the two the the 2002 Bucks defense. He's the one that put the fear of God in in guys coming across the middle. He was the last old school um, safety that, that I think that that ever lived. You know, we don't have another one of those now, especially because they don't allow them to play like that. Uh, and so he was coming at number five, one of my favorite players. And obviously, he wore the same as as my number one, um, Leroy Selman. Uh, Comes in at number four. Never got to watch him play. Obviously, he was a little put a little before my time. Um, but he is a Hall of Famer. Seventy-eight and a half sacks, seven hundred and forty-two tackles. Uh, you know, one of the greatest Bucks of all time. And if you watch the film, dude was a dude was a monster. 
Coming in at number three, I got Rondé Barber, uh, one of my favorite players of all time, one of my favorite DBs of all time, one of the most versatile DBs of all time, and and probably, I mean, he had the longest tenure of any Bucks player ever. So he he played more snaps for the Buccaneers than any other player did. So that that's it's got to be appreciated, and he was a huge huge uh, component to that historic defense one of if not the greatest defenses of all time i mean when your defense puts up you know as much points as your offense it's, it's hard to say they're not the greatest of all time uh derrick brooks comes in at number two he was the i mean he's the quarterback of the defense for the for the o2 team i mean that's i i grew up i became a bucks fan i grew up uh with a niners baby blanket and a cowboy starter jacket like that puffy old school like kid starter jacket so like my whole family is split right down the middle so when i started watching football really getting into football the bucks hadn't changed their jerseys yet but i was watching you know john lynch and i was watching Derek brooks and and sap and these guys are just having so much fun on the field it was hard to not watch them and enjoy watching the bucks and then the day the year that they changed their uniform i i definitely disowned my entire my entire family or they they disowned me i should say and I became a Bucks fan. Um, so at number one, without a doubt, my favorite player of all time is Mike, the A-Train All-Star. Uh, the it. greatest, the greatest fullback of all time. No questions asked because Jim Brown wasn't a fullback. It was just a it, it's a it's a typo if you really want to call it, because he's one of the greatest running backs of all time. So Mike Allstott, without a doubt, is the greatest fullback of all time. He had the greatest, one of the greatest highlight highlight reels of any player of all time. Um, somebody that big, that strong, that athletic. I mean, not only was he running guys over, but he would give them a stutter step or like a shoulder shake and break ankles in the open field. Like he's hands down my favorite player to watch of all time. It's not even close. I'm gonna be honest with you, Jack. One, I did not expect that. I definitely did not expect that. And Bo, two, that is probably the last time we will have a pullback be number one on an all-time list. <laughs> yeah, one and only. <laughs> At least on this podcast, man. I like, love that jacket. If it was gonna it. happen, if it was gonna happen, it would have happened when I like Franco Harris when I was doing the Steelers. Yeah, so yeah, that, that would have been, been a tire could have done it. But uh, Jack, I love your list, man. My favorite lists are when you know it was always big to me when I was growing up. You know. A lot of players stick out in memory to me. So, you know, I like to hear what players stuck out to other people because that was a big thing for me. Nostalgia is a big thing for me. So so I, I love your list, man. And I, I think it's awesome that you have a fullback, number one. That's really, really cool. Um, for me, my top five Buccaneers all time, number five for me, and I'm doing it from a standpoint of all-time players in the organization. Um, number five for me is cornerback Rondé Barber. He was the best. He's the best Bucks cornerback ever. Super Bowl champion, five-time Pro Bowler, three-time first-team All-Pro, the NFL co-leader in interceptions in 2001. So Barber was – he was so much fun to watch when you sit back and think about it. And he, also, if you think about it, he revolutionized the nickelback position in the NFL. Um, and, you know, for me as a kid, Tiki, Tiki and Rondé Barber were amazing to me because I would, I would always just sit there and be like, this family is insane. Like, how are two brothers both in the NFL at the same time? I thought it was the coolest dynamic ever uh, as a kid. I just thought Tiki and Rondé Barber were just so cool and that they both got to play against each other sometimes. I just loved every bit of it. So Rondé Barber's number five for me. Number four, you've already mentioned him, Jack. Safety John Lynch. Nine-time Pro Bowler. Two-time first-team All-Pro. 
Played 11 years with the Buccaneers. He's fifth in team history in games played with 164. Sixth in starts with 132. Fifth in tackles with 973. And sixth in interceptions with 23. Um, this dude laid some of the, the the biggest hits on wide receivers, but he was also known for his playmaking ability. He, he, he also not too shabby at being a GM either. Let's just put that out there. Um, but he definitely deserves to be in the Buccaneers' top five players of all time. For me, as number at number three is defensive tackle Warren Sapp. The dude's a Hall of Famer. He's the franchise's all-time sacks leader with 77. Seven-time Pro Bowler, four-time first-team All-Pro, Super Bowl champion. He won NFL Defensive Player of the Year in 1999. Um, and he also set the Bucks' single-season record with 16 and a half sacks in 2000. I think it's kind of funny that he won Defensive Player of the Year in 99, but then set the, single, uh, the Bucks' single-season record for sacks in 2000 and didn't get the award. Um, but this dude was pretty much just a bulldozer with the goal of getting to the quarterback. He was so big and strong, but also he, if you, if you watch highlights of him, he was super light on his feet and a little bit quicker than you would expected him to be, which, you know, just made it that much harder, um, or, or that more hard of a task for any offensive lineman to block him. Number two for me is defensive tackle Leroy Selman. He's the first Buccaneers draft pick ever. And then he became the Buccaneers first pro football hall of famer in 1995 so i thought that was pretty cool um in career sacks he sits at 78 and a half six-time pro bowler three-time first team all pro he won nfl defensive player of the year in 79 and at the time when they were giving out the award he also won nfl defensive lineman of the year in 1979 um if you watch this guy the first thing you'll notice i was watching some of his highlights last night and the first thing you notice is he constantly was double teamed constantly was double teamed he was so fast so strong and the mixture was just just down and right scary um so he's number two for me and number one i don't think if you're actually looking at everything that goes into it i don't think there's anyone else you can put in there at number one other than linebacker Derek brooks um he was the first ball first ballot hall of famer he's the franchise's all-time lead, career leader in tackles and forced fumbles he's fifth in interceptions 11-time pro bowler five-time first team all pro NFL Defensive Player of the Year in 2002, Super Bowl champion. Uh, he was so consistent and so good for so long, and that's what you know really makes him great. He was, an, you know, the ultimate competitor in every way. And he, let me ask you this, Jack: Where do you think Derek Brooks falls in the, you know, of you know, in the list of the greatest linebackers of all time? Where do you think he falls in that? Oh, I, I think he is, uh, again, one of those people. I think Buccaneers players just in general are kind of underappreciated. There's just not that many fans that speak up for him and, and make their and plead their case. Um, I mean, he's got to definitely be top 10. Like, in terms yeah, of in, like interior linebackers, like inside linebackers, he's got to be top 10. And, and, again, he's one of those same thing with Levante David. If you put his stat line, his his ability and coverage, especially back in the day when you know they didn't ask linebackers to cover like they do now, he was way ahead of his time. I mean, I'm not saying that that he's better than Ray Lewis, but I think there was a lot of things that he could do that Ray Lewis couldn't in terms of coverage um, and playing like the 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 deep center. Uh, you know, it it was obviously it had a lot to do with the the Tampa two and him being the perfect the perfect linebacker for the Tampa two. Uh, you know, he really came into his own, uh, you know, once once Monty Kiffin took over that defense. So definitely top 10. You know, I could even make a case for top five, but there's so many good linebackers that it, it would be hard to to press that for sure. Top 10. Yeah, I, I say top 10 for sure. Um, and, you know, if anyone, you know, 
doesn't believe that, just go watch his highlights. Derek Brooks' highlights are ridiculous. If you don't believe that, you weren't watching. You clearly weren't watching. Like, yeah, that's true, too. That's true, too. He 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 laid the, some huge hits on guys, and he also talked a little bit of trash, too, which is one of my favorite things when watching highlights is just seeing some of the trash talk these guys um, said to each other on the field. He, he would talk some trash, so I, I love that about his game, too. But who's your top five Buccaneers all time? I won't go into as many of the accolade stuff because y'all pretty much covered the bases. But uh, so my number five, Rondé Barber, love both the Barbers game. Uh, they're from Virginia. Uh, it's played at Virginia. It's, love those guys. Love all Virginia boys. Um, and then I got number four, John Lynch, one of my favorite players of all time. Like you said, he was the last of a dying breed when he was finishing his career. He, he made people fear going over the middle. I mean, they don't even allow you to play the way he plays anymore, like you said. Um, and I, I miss his I miss his game every day. That was a fun guy to watch growing up. Uh, and then number three, Warren Sapp, uh, for obvious reasons, uh, just a dominant player all around. Uh, and then my number two is kind of close to to Jack's. I got Mike Allstott. Loved his game growing up. So his highlight tape is one of the most fun to watch, period. He's not the best athlete in the NFL ever, but it does not matter. He's just such a, such a great fullback. Just compl- get out of my way. Uh, great team guy. He would that kind of player on your offense will bring the entire morale of the team up when he'd run somebody over. It is such a lift when you see someone on your offense just bulldozing people out there. And then number one, clearly, no no brainer, Derek Brooks, uh, one of the one of the goats, one of the best of all time. And a, and a game and a, in a in a game like his, I talk about it all the time with when we do these top fives. He would translate so well to today's uh, to the way they like their linebackers today. He would translate so well. Oh, he he definitely would. Um, I love those those list guys. Uh, again, Jack, I love that you had the fullback in there, man. And Bo, you did too. But I love the fullback being number one. I don't know why. I just keep thinking about that. I think that's so cool. If Derek um, Brooks wasn't a buck, he'd have been is, my one. It is blasphemy. It is BS that Mike Allstott is not in the the Hall of Fame yet. And yeah. so um, I've been on this train, and I will say, a train to the Hall of Fame needs needs to happen. It's something that. Uh, it's it's disrespectful to not appreciate his game. Maybe we should get a petition going. Let's let's make a petition, Jack, and we'll see how many signatures we can get to get him in oh, there. We're we're doing a petition, and then we're def we're actually going to be as soon as uh, we wrap up this prospect guide. Rob Rob is going to be working on a uh, a documentary series or a document not a series but a documentary on uh on the great Mike Allstott. So I'm very excited about that. Th- that's awesome, and I can't wait to see that. So Jack, I have three questions for you. So for every guest that we have on the podcast, we have three questions that we don't include in the topic list when we send it to you because we want to, you know, heal your answers off off the top of the dome, man. So I got three questions for you. Number one, who is your sleeper team this year and why? Who sleeper team? Oh, man. Um, Indianapolis Colts. Oh, I love it. I think it's the first Colts one we've had. Is that the first one? It is. It is. It is. I, I, love I think uh, Jonathan Taylor uh, behind that offensive line is going to be a scary thing. And all Phillip Rivers has to do is just not mess it up. And, and they could be a very, very good team. I, I think they're going to be a sleeper team. I, I don't think I would put them as Super Bowl favorites. I mean, if they had Andrew Luck, maybe. Um, but, you know, wh- where they're at, they're definitely going to be a, a sleeper playoff team. Yeah, well, the last time I had um... – the Colts is the top contenders for the Super Bowl. As Andrew Luck retired on me, so that, yeah, that didn't you, work out. So I, 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 I won't right. say it again. Um, <laughs> I was right there with you. Uh, number two, who wins the MVP award this season? Patty Mahomes. 
Okay. I think we've go. gotten about go. four or five predictions. Well, I picked. Um, I mean, then, then number three for you, Jack, who's the Super Bowl matchup and who wins? As much as I want to say my Buccaneers, I, I'm not going to jinx it or, or attempt to will that into existence. I will keep my mouth shut and let that uh, just let it happen naturally. Um, so I'm going to say it's going to be a rematch. I think the Niners and, and the Chiefs uh, end up back in the Super Bowl together. They're the best teams in both of their divisions, the best teams in both of their conferences. The Niners got better. Trent they Williams, uh, you know, add, adding Trent Williams, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts, or uh, not Hurts, um, um, uh, uh, the Baylor wide receiver. J- uh, Jalen Hur- uh, Hurd. Yeah, Jalen Hurd. I said Jalen Hurts. Uh, Jalen Hurd um, is somebody that nobody's talking about right now. You know, he was he was uh, considered the, their number one wide receiver going into the season last yeah, year, and was, he was was making plays that Debo Samuel's could not. He's a six three uh, freak running back, or you know, running back turn wide receiver because he just got too damn tall. Uh, he is somebody I'm very excited to see. I really do. And then Jermichael Hasty is another one, especially if they can't, if uh, Raheem Moster decides he doesn't want to play for him, which I think they, they came out and said that they're going to fix some stuff. Jermichael Hasty, for an undrafted free agent, could end up being a super sleeper running back, um, especially in terms of fantasy, if he, if he hits the field this year. He is yeah. damn good coming out of Baylor. So with that matchup, do you have the Niners winning it? Um, no, I still got it. There's no way you can bet against Patty Mahomes. So you have Patty Mahomes going back to, huh? I like it. I yeah. like it a lot. I mean, it's, it's the cheap, it's a cheap answer, but like, I'm not going out on a limb. I'm just it's being definitely honest. not like, out of the question though. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a given. Like, how are you going to bet against Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, you We've can. seen what he did, you know, obviously they, they, it, a couple plays go different and they don't win that, but we could say the same thing. Like a couple plays go different and he's got two, he's got, if one play goes different, two years ago then he's got two rings exactly so yeah i mean you can't bet against the guy i, I think it's i think it's so funny that, that the chiefs team and tyree kill and chris jones just came out saying that they're they're looking for six or seven super bowls i was like wow you know that's y'all y'all really putting that out there you got a half a billion but, uh, dollars they said they're chasing jordan so we'll see that's right that's right. And with that, with that half a billion, Pay Mahomes just came out and said, you know, I have so much more I can improve on, which is scary, which is just kind of scary at this point. What, what was it? Last year he came out and he said that he, he really didn't even know how to read defenses yet. He was just playing, yeah. which is, I mean, absolutely <laughs> absurd. Like, how, I, it doesn't really make any sense. That's such a humble flex, too. It's like, oh, I oh, didn't really know what I was doing flex. until now. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yet I'm still the greatest quarterback talent yeah. that's ever stepped foot on the football field. It's unreal, man. But, Jack, thanks so much for coming on and giving Bo and myself some of your time, man. I know you're always super busy, uh, so I appreciate you jumping on here with us to talk about your Buccaneers. I think I've had a lot of fun, man. We've actually even gone over our time mark. That's how much fun I've been having. I haven't even really been paying attention until I looked at it, and we're at an hour 40 right now. So uh, I appreciate you coming on, man. I know you stay pretty busy. But I appreciate you coming on. As always, guys, go follow Blitzalytics on Twitter at Blitzalytics and visit Blitzalytics.com. Go to the members tab, find Jacob Patterson. Check out some of the scouting reports and the articles that I have written. Bo, let them know where to find you, man. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, capital T-S-R, lowercase B-E-A-U. It's at T-S-R Bo. And you can also find me on www.stillcurtain.com. I write some articles over there, and I got should have another one coming out before the end of this month. 
And guys, follow me on Twitter at Scouting LLC and follow TSR on Instagram at Scouting underscore LLC. As always, guys, go subscribe, go get a review, and go TSR. Peace out, guys. Peace. You know it's showtime when this beat kicks in. This is the TSR pod where all we do is win. It's just football fiends on a mission delivering opinions of mass significance. Man, I hope you've been listening. Scouting is the business. You're welcome because it's a privilege. Most people in this position just don't give it away. No, all that's left to say now is welcome to the show. Because you know Jacob and Ball were ready, so let's go. Well, I got the dollar, get it, put it in you. Feeling with the feeling, don't stop, continue.